Welcome back to the Blue Stable, everybody. As always, my name is Destin Adams. Michael and Rashad were not able to make it tonight. We're actually recording this one a little late. We're actually recording while the Lakers are currently getting their asses handed to them on TNT. Uh, we don't have to go into that too much, but Rashad's probably glad he's asleep right now. Let's just say that. But join with me today is currently the the writer for the bluestable.com who has the most articles out of any writer for the bluestable.com, Lucas Robbins. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I just got off of a uh, night shift closing uh, for a local uh, bar that I've been working at. So, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm glad to be on the show. Working night shift at a bar. How is that? Is that fun? Is that exciting? Or is it not as fun as like movies and TV shows make it out to be? Let's just say it's as fun as the staff and the customers are. So can be a mix depending on the night and the staff. But, you know, tonight was a good night. There, there we go. So you didn't have to throw anybody out. No, no underagers trying to pass off some fake IDs on you. A lot less of those nowadays. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you occasionally see those from time to time. But nothing too bad. Okay. But... As always, you guys are listening to the official Colts podcast of Fansided. This is the Blue Stable podcast, and we're just going to jump right in. Second week of Colts minicamp, the last day actually was today. The players were all let go today. They're going to have a couple of weeks off until actual training camp begins. Um, but a cool story about it right now is the second week of minicamp is actually only mandatory for rookies. Um, we saw Carson Wentz, Paris Campbell, and Michael Pittman Jr. join them this week, which was really cool to see. Michael Pittman Jr. probably was here just because he, he missed a little bit of the first week because his baby was born. Um, so I'm sure that's kind of why he was here for the second week. But still, I mean, making the decision to be here during the non-mandatory workouts – I mean, he's, he's only a second-year guy, and he's already making that decision. So I thought that was super cool to see. But what, what did you think about that? Well, definitely the uh, missing out on part of it because of the baby was a big factor. He also had a shortened offseason previously. So I could see him possibly wanting to make up for that extra time that he missed off because of the COVID offseason to really try and hammer home some uh, – key stuff to learn uh this offseason uh paris campbell he did have at least one full offseason as a rookie but he just hasn't had a whole lot of playing time so seeing him out there for an extended period of time makes sense uh and of course carson wentz he wants to bond with his new weapons his new teammates and he wants to prove himself a leader and i'm not seeing a whole lot of that uh bad uh locker room presence from carson so far so so far so good i don't know where the uh Eagles media got that from? Well, the city of Philadelphia is nuts. Um, I, I got to go to Philadelphia for the NFL draft. Um, I want It was the year we drafted Malik Hooker. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what year that is off the top of my head without looking it up. 2017. This is why we have Lucas here. Uh, <laughs> 2017, and man, the city is ridiculous. Super cool, super nostalgic to see some of the stuff, but the people in Philadelphia – are crazy I could never live there it's just wild all the time and I mean I, I get it if some people like that mindset and that environment but that's just not for me the thing about Carson Wentz I mean I always felt like because it was coming out of the Philadelphia media it was probably overblown a little bit at least um, now do I think he had some problems with him taking a quarterback in the second round yeah I think almost every quarterback would react like that I mean I mean, we see, we're seeing Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, he says he was fine with the Jordan Love pick last year. But, I mean, actions speak louder than words. And it just kind of seems like that ticked him off a little bit more than he's letting on. And I just feel like that's something that all quarterbacks probably have to deal with, especially when Carson Wentz is as young as he is NFL career-wise for that decision to be made. But him staying was definitely the coolest part. I mean – I really wonder if all that stuff coming out of Philadelphia is something that Carson Wentz like actually put a lot of his own attention to if he ever like saw it and read all those articles or not. Because some players like to get into that, like Darius Leonard likes to look into every negative thing said about him and get into those things on Twitter and articles like that. So I'm curious if Carson Wentz ever really went down those rabbit holes. I, I'm definitely curious on that one too, but just based off of the uh... – his his conferences with the press so far uh 
and just kind of his demeanors so far, it seems more like he's the people will say whatever they want to say about me. I'm just here to play football. You know, he's seems to kind of tune that out more so and tries to focus on what he can control. So, Hey, to each their own. Some people want that extra kind of want to hear it to give them an extra push. Darius Leonard, like you said, very notable. I've been seeing him on social media quite a few times, liking posts that uh, diss him just so he kind of gets that extra fuel for later. And we all know how uh, he took to being called the worst pick in the NFL draft uh, when he was coming out. He took it as well as a player can and used that as some amazing fuel. So to each their own, of course, on their motivational and uh, preparation uh, tactics. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from uh, Wentz, but we also got to see what he does in game action. Yeah, um, mental is just really half of it. Now, the good part for us is a lot of the mental things was kind of a lot of the knocks on him coming into his tenure in Indy because a lot of people, the phrase was going around that he was mentally broken. Um, And Colts fans have been through that. I mean, um, the quarterback who shall not be named, Andrew Luck. uh, I mean, But you just named him. (laughs) uh, Apparently, I know. I I break a lot of those rules here on the blue stable, but, uh, but Andrew Luck even had some of those kind of floating around. I mean, right before he retired, a lot of people were kind of going through the fact that he just did not feel mentally there anymore. Um, so, I mean, that, those are definitely some concerns, but he definitely had some poor play last year, but even the mental part just kind of looking like it's either taken care of or was overblown is definitely a positive to look at for Colts fans. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, getting past minicamp, I mean, this past week was only rookies and plus those three veterans staying this week. Um, there isn't really much to go into. Um, the rookies are really just trying to get a hold of the playbook. Um, me, Rashad, and Michael, and a few other Colts bloggers and podcasters had the opportunity to sit in on a presser and ask some questions to the court, to the offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, Matt Eberflus and, Matt, and Marcus Brady this week, and also some rookies today. Um, and we got to hear a little bit from Eberflus talking about how Quiddy Pay and Dio are really just attacking the playbook during minicamp. They have really dove into it. He feels like both of them have picked it up super quickly um, for defensive linemen as rookies. He's really impressed with them so far. Um, I was expecting that from Quiddy Pay. I was, I was surprised to hear about Dio already just because I really thought a lot of training camp and minicamp would be a lot about rehab for him and maybe not even being here um, if he had to do some rehab. So seeing him already jumping into the playbook and using this time not only to recover physically, but to make sure when he's recovered that he's already mentally on page with some of these starters to be able to produce when he's back. I love to see that. Yeah, I'm excited for both Pay and Dio. I feel like Dio, of course, will be more of an impact in 2022 rather than 2021 just because of, like you said, rehabbing from that Achilles injury. But excellent sign to hear both of them are really jumping into the playbook. You could say it's possible coaches speak and everything, though uh, we'll have to see how this uh, development takes place on the field. But uh, from what I've heard the whole entire offseason, I have heard nothing but glowing reports of both of their football character just on and off the field. So I, I believe that they will have the commitment and work ethic to kind of work through some of the playbook differences and different roles of the defense and ultimately develop into some really reliable Colts players down the line, health permitting, of course. Yes, yeah, so to even be on the draft board for the Colts, you kind of have to have that football character. It's, it's, it's basically a requirement at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have that football character, your talent has to be off the charts, it feels like, for them to even consider it. Um, I was shocked to see they were interested in a guy like Sam Ellinger personally, just because of him having this fiery kind of off-campus and stuff here and there as well. But, I mean, they've only said positive things about Sam Ellinger, and I feel like they've been even more positive on Ellinger than they ever were on Jacob Eason last year. Uh, I just feel like they're very glowing about the person of Sam Ellinger. I mean, we're not hearing as much about the talent like we heard about Jacob Eason, where they were highlighting how big his arm was and how he can make all these wild throws. But for Sam Ellinger, it's all been about his character, his personality, his that fire that I talked about and saying how it's a positive, how they feel like he's a leader and a winner. Um, there's just a lot of things that come out of rookie camp and just the draft in general that surprised me, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Ellinger's uh, character has been talked about glowingly. Um, really the only character concerns that like I've seen major coming out have been a little bit like there's EJ speed. He had an off the field uh, issue uh, back in Tarleton state that kind of pushed him down, whatever draft boards that he was already on uh, and possibly took him off of several ones, but the Colts felt like he had uh, tried to redeem himself and was working through everything. And so far so good on that front. We haven't heard anything bad on uh, at least two Colts media at this point of him off the field in his pro career. I haven't heard a whole lot of him on the field in his pro career, of course, too, but it seems like they're willing to kind of take those shots at guys who may or may not have that character concerns, especially more in uh, day three of the draft on day one, they try and go absolutely for those uh, phenomenal people uh, who are absolute locker room fits and can be an asset both on and off the field. Hey, which maybe 2021, 20, the 2021, 2022 campaign is the year we see EJ, EJ speed break out. And that kind of leads to our next topic that I want to talk about. And it's predicting the Colts end of year superlatives. Um, I mean, if you remember going back to high school, um, I don't know how long that is for you, Lucas, for me, that's, I graduated high school in 2016. Um, the same graduating class, man. <laughs> look at us, Lucas. Class of 2016 represented today here on the Blue Stable podcast. But so we're going back to there. We're putting our caps and gowns back on. We're thinking through the superlatives here for the Colts. First off, we're going to let you start, Lucas, and we're going to go MVP. Who is simming over all the way to the end of the year super bowl has been played hopefully the colts are holding lombardi up of course who was the mvp for the colts in the 2021 2022 year for the 2021 season we haven't made a whole lot of crazy crazy moves so it's all about continuity this year but for the mvp i am predicting it is going to be deforest buckner that man is going to be the driver for so much in this defense. I know there's been Kenny Moore is phenomenal. He is one of the best, if not the best uh, nickel corner in the game. Darius Leonard is a maniac and apparently a cowboy as well. So <laughs> absolutely phenomenal playmaker and just like truly like the soul of the defense is Darius Leonard. But DeForest Buckner, he is going to be not only the biggest threat on the defensive line and rushing the passer this year, but he's also going to be the mentor for Pay and Dio. Uh, and whatever success that they have is going to be helped immensely, not just by that mentorship, but by him just taking up blockers on the interior. He's going to command so much attention this year. And even if he might uh, not always show it in the stat sheet, he's going to be a phenomenal and presence on this defensive line. So I'm going to go the opposite side of the ball, um, actually opposite side of the trenches. And I'm going to say the MVP for this season for the Colts is going to be Quentin Nelson. Um, my reasoning is going to be, I think Quentin Nelson knows he's going to need to step up a little bit. Um, I mean, I think the first few weeks of last year, we saw a little bit of a down um, part for Quentin Nelson, but I mean, a down part of the season for Quentin Nelson is career bests for most guards in the NFL. But I still expect that to piss him off a little bit, that he started off the year slow last year. This year, he's, if he starts out slow, we're going to have a backup left tackle in. Um, like you, like Costanzo, Costanzo is not um, going to be here this year. He's retired. Um, Eric Fisher is going to miss, if I had to guess, the first three to five weeks of the year, um, nursing his Achilles injury. So, do we see Sam Tevy? Do we see Will Holden? Who knows who's going to be there, but Quentin Nelson is going to be the guy next to him. We know that for a fact, and that is going to be crucial for whoever's there at left tackle. Quentin Nelson's going to be that guy. I think Quentin Nelson's going to step up. He's going to earn that contract that's coming his way where he's going to end up being made. I don't think he's just going to be the highest paid left guard in football. I think he's going to be made the highest paid lineman in football personally. I think that's just who he is. I think that's the level of player he is and I think he's going to go out and prove that this year so Quentin Nelson is going to be the MVP for the Colts for the 21-22 year next up the award we have is most improved Lucas I'll let you go first again Oof, most improved now there are quite a few Colts who definitely feel like they need to show up this year 
many are going to be on their contract year. We signed a bunch of guys who are going to be on one-year deals or resign guys on one-year deals. But the one who I'm saying is going to be most improved is going to be one of those guys, and it's going to be Taekwon Lewis. Taekwon, he has been a very high upside athletic defensive end slash defensive tackle for the last three years. Unfortunately, a few injuries have come up, and there's been a lot of veteran presence up front that's kind of withheld him from being more than a rotational lineman. But this year, there is not a whole lot of veteran presence on this defensive line, especially at the edge. So he's going to be that veteran guy at the defensive end. And it's make or break time. This is his final year on his rookie deal. Now, I love me some Kamoko Ture. If he's healthy, he could be on this list. However, Taekwon has a much less in uh, history, so we're likely to be able to play more of the season and be fully healthy. And his versatility is going to be enormous of an asset for the Colts throughout the year. And he has more ability to go not just inside, outside, but be able to stop the run and rush the passer. So I think Kamoko or Taekwon Lewis is going to have a big breakout year for his final year. And we'll see if we have enough money to try and re-sign him, depending on how big that breakout is. Hey, there's an opening there for that in-between edge uh, interior defensive lineman role with Danico Autry going to Tennessee. I mean, I feel like that's really where Taekwon Lewis fits. Um, so I feel like he can try to take that role and see where he goes with it. Um, my most improved um, – I'm going to go a very homerish answer, probably one that most Colts fans are hoping for. I'm going to say Carson Wentz. Um, I think last year was a very down year for Carson Wentz, as we all know. And I think his play is going to dictate a lot of who this Colts team is at the end of the year. Um, like I said earlier, we're hoping we're holding that Lombardi up. And if we're holding the Lombardi up, it's because Carson Wentz is back to his near MVP form. Like, that's just what needs to happen for this team to be in that conversation. And I think that's what we're going to see from Carson Wentz. I think the situation is perfect. I think the head coach relationship is there. The team chemistry already seems strong here in Indy for Carson. The offensive line is going to be a great asset to Carson. He's going to have a great run game with one of the best, if not the best, running back room in the NFL. Um, Them and the Browns are the two that I would really throw in that conversation. So I, I really expect the most improved player to be Carson Wentz. I expect him to come out and show that he still has that talent, show that Philadelphia made a mistake um, moving on for him as early as they did, um, and make, they made a mistake drafting Jalen Hurts. Like just overall, um, Carson Wentz needs to go out and prove those right um, and prove those wrong, I apologize, and be that most improved player that I believe he can be. Next up, we have Rookie of the Year. Um, to make it fair, we'll do an offensive and a defensive. We'll each do one. So I'll let you go first, and you can choose defense or offense. Lucas, the world is your oyster. <laughs> well, the obvious candidate for Rookie of the Year for the Colts is going to be Quiddy Pay, the first-round pick. He has phenomenal tools, size, speed, athleticism, length. He has almost everything you want physically in a defensive end. However, I've gone defensive line the last two ones. So I think it's fair for me to change it up a little bit. Let's go the path less taken. And I'm going to go Kylan Granson, the tight end out of Jim Irsay's alma mater, SMU. Now, as you said, Carson Wentz is going to have a pretty sizable uh, improvement this year, according to both you and me as well. I did post a uh, projection article for Carson Wentz as the very first article on uh, the Blue Stable website. Check so, out thebluestable.com um, for all mm-hmm. Lucas's work. Plug. Absolutely shameless on that one. But <laughs> uh, as we know, Carson Wentz, he loves the deep bomb. Absolutely. He has one of the biggest average depth of targets. And Kylan Granson is a vertical threat down the middle. Also, Carson Wentz targeted, or the Eagles last year targeted the tight end more than any other team in the NFL, even more than the Colts, who surprisingly were in middle of the pack on that front. So I think Kylan Granson is going to step into a very big role in the passing game this year, and he's going to surprise a lot of people and maybe uh, shoot up some dynasty fantasy boards. 
Hopefully you're not listening to this if you're in any dynasty format that I am playing in this year because I really <laughs> am banking on getting Kylan Granson in the third or fourth round in my six-round rookie dynasty drafts this year. But I agree with you there. Um, if you would have went defensive, that's why I would have went for my offensive rookie of the year. So I think we're going to be on the same page for both. Um, so, I mean, you went offense, so I'll go <laughs> defense here. And so defensive rookie of the year, I think it's going to be Quiddy Pay. Um, the reasoning, I feel like – we have a few guys that we drafted that could get more playing time than people expect, but I think Quiddy Pay is the only one that we should expect to start day one on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just, be, I mean, Dio obviously is going to be rehabbing his injury. Um, Sean Davis, um, Sean Davis from Florida, not Sean Davis that was signed from Pittsburgh. Don't get it twisted. Um, also a guy who I feel like could end up getting some playing time in that third safety role if he makes the roster. Um, hard hitting guy who, had some solid coverage when I watched his tape a little bit, struggled um, with his tackling lanes and figuring out when to attack the ball um, a little bit there. But I think Quiddy Pay is the guy for Demons of Rookie of the Year. I think he's the guy for overall Rookie of the Year if we had to choose just one. Um, he's just going to get that immediate impact that we're hoping for. I mean, the Colts elected to – let a lot of their in-house edge rushers leave this offseason with Justin Houston and um, Danico Autry going to Tennessee. Justin Houston, I believe, is still looking um, for a home elsewhere. Um, but the Colts have basically decided not to bring him back. So it's going to be a quitty pay, Kimoku Toure, Ben Banigou, Taekwon Lewis – kind of mold rushing through there. Al Qadi Muhammad um, is another one that I forgot to mention. All getting snaps there on the edge. Um, and I think Pay is going to lead them all in snaps, and that's going to be huge um, for him and for the Colts. So I think he's going to be that defense of the rookie of the year that we're all looking for. Now to get to some sour tasting superlatives, because if you were in high school, they're not all good. Where's um, the fun in that? you got to have some awful ones. you got to have the most likely to go to prison, most likely not to graduate, most likely to get left by their high school sweetheart, all those fun ones, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, so, so the next one is most disappointing for the 2021-2022 year, Lucas. Well, it breaks my heart. It truly does to award this superlative. But if I have to say most disappointing, I'm going to say it's probably Rocky Sin. Now, he's had an up-and-down career so far. There's been some good, but there's also been some ugly. And this is the sink-or-swim year for him uh, with the most competition that he has ever had for that cornerback three spot. He is going to be going up against not only uh, TJ Carey, who he lost the job to towards the end of the season, but he's also going to have Isaiah Rogers, who is a phenomenal returner and very elite uh, athlete to potentially develop into year two to possibly compete with him. Though I see Rogers more of the inside corner. There is a chance he could move to outside a little bit. And another one, one of my favorite sleepers this year, Marvell tell the guy came in as a safety transferred into becoming a corner. And despite all that has been phenomenal in his rookie year, opted out last year, but from all accounts, he has done a very good job training in this off year and relearning the playbook more and more and just keeping his body in shape. And he was already a phenomenal athlete, like elite spark score level athlete. So I am very, very interested in seeing what Marvel tell could do. He also didn't miss a single tackle his rookie year and was pretty solid in coverage. So, and that, with all that being his first year as a corner, I expect his development to continue to go up and could be at the detriment of Rocky Sin's job. I mean, like you said, it's always tough to give out a most disappointing. Um, I'm hoping you're wrong. I'm hoping Rocky Sin bounces back and he earns that role. I just feel like his talent has the most upside um, for that that cornerback three slash number two on the outside um, corner spot to be just to give the Colts that need that they have there. Um, so I'm not going to say Rocky sin because I need it not to happen. I, I need him to have that bounce back year. I need him to show the talent he can have at this level um, for most disappointing. 
I'm gonna go Mark Lewinsky, right guard for the Colts. Um, I think of the returning offensive linemen, I mean, I think it's obvious that Glowinski is the worst of the five. Um, the Colts showed a lot of interest in adding some guards behind him um, in this last offseason. I feel like it's a very underrated part of the offseason that we've seen. Um, we have Chris Reed coming over from Carolina, um, who I really like a lot of his tape. Um, going over to that right guard spot. Some people um, don't actually realize that Will Fries out of Penn State is going to end up playing guard in the NFL. Um, the Colts have said it multiple times already. When you watch his tape, it just screams guard. Um, just feels like that's more where his strengths are going to slide over and play. Um, it just feels like over and over the Colts have put a little bit of pressure at the guard spot. And, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's not to – because they don't have faith in Quentin Nelson. Um, so going over to the other side, Mark Gwinski's that other guy. Um, he's getting up there in age. Um, I think it could end up being to where Gwinski's gone in the next year or two maybe. And I think they've been looking at other options on purpose. Um, so I'm going to say most disappointing is Mark Gwinski, because I'm going to say even with the addition of Fishers when he gets here at left tackle, that Gwinski is still the odd man out and the fifth best offensive lineman on this elite offensive line. I agree with that, and that comes into our most likely to not return slash notable free agent uh, entering 2022. I'm going to pick up right off where you left off there, and I'm saying it's Glowinski too. I think they have definitely been making plenty of moves there with not only Fries and not only Reed, who though is also on a one-year deal, has been a starter at this level before, and is a better pass blocker, in my opinion, than Glowinski. Not nearly the same run blocker, but could be competition for him at first starting snaps even this year. But even if Glowinski does win the starting job, he's going to be the odd man out in terms of who they're going to be trying to re-sign this year. I mean, they have to sign. uh, They've already put Quentin Nelson on his fifth-year deal. but They have to re-sign Braden Smith, who is a central right tackle and one of the best right tackles in the league. They have to sign Darius Leonard, the maniac. They are very likely going to sign Naeem Hines. And then you go into some more difficult decisions of players who are still pretty productive, like T.Y. Hilton or Xavier Rhodes as well, who could also be resigned as well. So Glowinski, considering his relative disappointment along that offensive line, which, to be fair, being fifth on that offensive line is pretty standard for almost every offensive lineman. There are phenomenal guys on every other starting position but with all their moves there with fries pinter the year before and possibly maybe deciding to go for reed later on there it doesn't seem good for glowinski long term for the colts sad to say and especially if they really invest in their offensive line because ryan kelly is already a top paid uh, center quentin nelson he is probably going to be the highest paid guard in history, possibly the highest paid uh, offensive lineman ever, but I don't know if he's going to be able to break Trent Williams's uh, contract that he just signed. And you got Braden Smith, who's going to have a very, very lucrative deal. And even Eric Fisher could resign for a very lucrative deal after this one year. So at the end of the day, you can't sign all the, your uh, offensive linemen to crazy deals and Glowinski's the odd man out. I mean, like you said, it would be hard not to be the fifth um, best lineman on this Colts offensive line, Um, but it's just been the case for Glowinski the last couple of years, and it's going to be the case this year as well. Um, I'm going to go a different route. You can tell me if this is not notable enough because of the competition in the room, and I have a backup um, if you don't feel like this is notable enough. But I'm going to say the most likely not to return is Marlon Mack. Um, I think I was shocked to have him back this year. Um, The running back market wasn't very lucrative um, once they hit the market this year. And I think Marlon Mack has a starting ability. It's just that Achilles injury has just been a – Achilles heel, um, no pun intended, um, for, for running backs. It just has, it has ended almost so many great running backs careers. I mean, the Achilles is really what sent Arian Foster down his injury troubles and really ended his, what looked like a very promising career after being an undrafted rookie 
running back for the Texans is just that Achilles is just hard for running backs to get back from. I hope the best because there's not many Colts that I have liked, respected, loved more than Marlon Mack. And I want him to get a chance to start elsewhere. But Jonathan Taylor and Hines are the duo of the future for the Colts running back backfield. But when you can get a guy like Marlon Mack, who's a great locker room guy, horseshoe type of guy, back in the locker room for as cheap as they did because the market wasn't lucrative, they had to do it. But I cannot imagine that'll happen again, um, whether it's him going elsewhere or the Achilles injury isn't healed to the point that he's able to compete in the NFL level again, God forbid. Um, but if you're listening and you're like, Destin, that's not notable enough. Everyone thinks Marlon Mack's leaving. My option B, um, because I'm here to please you guys, the listeners, and you guys can get off my back on it. My option B would be George Odom. He's a guy that, I mean, if you're looking at home now saying he's just a special teamer, Destin, he was an all pro. Um, don't try to tell me he's not notable. Um, very few guys get that accolade right there, unless your name's like Matthew Slater with the Patriots and you get it over and over and over again. But George Odom is a guy that I feel like even this offseason expressed that he would like to play more safety. He believes he can do it. Um, and the Colts really have their two safeties for the future and Kari Willis and, and then James Blackman. Um, but George Odom is going to half to understand that eventually. And if he wants to play more actual safety snaps, he's going to have to go elsewhere. The Colts do like to run a little bit of a third safety set here, use a guy in the box role. Um, And that's really where the only place Odom's going to get snaps if he does get on the field for the safety roles, bearing injuries. Again, something we don't hope for. Um, I think he's a guy that could most likely be gone after being re-signed this year as a restricted free agent. I could see that too. And it's sad to see him go. He is one of the best coverage guys in special teams. Uh, led the league in special teams tackles last year. So he was very well deserved, not just because of any sort of name recognition, which he certainly did not get, but he won solely based off of merit last year. So sad to see him go, at least on the special teams front. Hopefully he can find uh, that bigger role on the defense later on. Which leads us to our next topic, and this topic is our One Call Technology topic of the day. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has over 100 years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier managements, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable podcast sent you. And last topic of the night, we have to get into some fantasy football for you people. We're getting there, guys. It's almost it's June officially fantasy podcast. I mean, fantasy giraffes are probably happening as we speak. You're sitting there going through your sheet, trying to figure out the best person to take. And we want to talk about some Colts players. And would you rather have this Colts player or some other guys around the league? Um, So we're going to start out with none other than Carson Wentz, Lucas. And I have some options here, some other guys you could possibly draft and or trade for. And I want you to tell me who you'd rather have, Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. Ooh, now this is an interesting one. Both of them were on the trade market this year. Uh, Sam Darnold has had a disappointing career while Carson Wentz only had a disappointing year. However, Sam Darnold is leaving the stench that is Adam Gase, and he's going to Carolina with Matt Rule, and he has quite a few weapons there to work with over in Carolina. I love the weapons there with DJ Moore, Terrence Marshall Jr., Uh, They have a few other guys here there that are very, very interesting there. Of course, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield is a great asset as long as he's healthy. But at the same time, while Sam Darnold does have a lot of natural talent, I don't know how much he was. He was definitely limited by Adam Gase. No one's going to deny that. But I saw also plenty of mental mistakes as well. So how much of it was fully Adam Gase's fault and how much was also to blame for Darnold will be determined similarly to Wentz and uh, Peterson. Uh, that, that is a pretty tough one in my opinion, but I'm going to give the edge to Wentz just because 
I'm a little bit more sure on Reich's tutelage more than Rule's tutelage to kind of get him to bounce back. Uh, it says a little bit better of a running upside as well to kind of supplement that in fantasy. So this one comes down to what format you're playing in for me. If it's a redraft league or a dynasty league, um, because for a dynasty league, I like my backup quarterback option to have some high upside for the future. And then if I have to play him for one week while my starter, uh, like for example, like an Aaron Rodgers um, is playing because he's, up there in age, but he's producing at a high level now. So if I want my backup to be someone like that, I'm probably going to say Sam Darnold um, just to be a little different, I guess, on the dynasty side. If it's doing a redraft and if, if I had to choose one of them to be my every week starter for next week, next year, I'm taking Carson Wentz for sure. I just think the odds of him producing right away are more likely um, than Sam Darnold for next year, personally. Um, so I would go Winston redraft. I'd go Sam Darnold in dynasty. Um, next option: Would you rather have Wince or Jared Goff? Well, this one I feel is irrelevant on format because I, the answer is the same either way for me, and that would be Carson Wentz. Jared Goff. He's had some good fantasy seasons. However, that was under the tutelage of Sean McVay, who was one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL. And he also had phenomenal weapons in uh, St. Louis slash LA uh, over there with the Rams. And now he goes to the Lions, who, while I do like their offensive line to protect him, his weapons are very, very lacking, especially at the wide receiver core. So I think Goff can still be a solid quarterback, but he's never really shown to be the guy who elevates the talent around him. He seems to be more so of a product of what's around him rather than the uplifter of everything. So I feel like I'd give the edge to Wentz in both redraft and in uh, dynasty, though both of them are from the same draft class. So age-wise, they are roughly the same age, but because of that, I'd give the edge to Wentz because I feel more of a comfort in uh, – the system and the talent around him. Yeah, I agree. Um, hundred percent. Not only were they in the same draft, by the way, one picks one and two, both traded up for that year. Pretty rare occurrence where the number one and number two pick were traded in the same draft class. Um, both moved on in the same off season, kind of a wild um, setting to really look into all that about, but um, I agree. I think it's Carson Winston both. Um, I don't think the situation, even though I think the lions, um, are doing the rebuild correctly. I think they're going to have a, some success later on because of it. Um, it's not year one, and it's not with Jared Goff. Um, Dan Campbell's trying to sell us on these in these little mini camp interviews that Jared Goff is making some wow throws, um, but it doesn't matter when you only have TJ Hawkinson to throw to. Uh, and I just don't believe that that's an option that's going to lead to a fantasy success. I wouldn't touch Jared Goff in fantasy with a nine foot pole, maybe even farther. So it's Carson Wentz in both. Like you said, this one is maybe the hardest one. Another guy who moved on. So um, didn't even actually mean to do this, but all three options that I'm, I gave for Carson Wentz are guys that moved on to a new team this off season. And it's Matthew Stafford. Ooh, now this is an interesting one because I have had Stafford in several different uh, leagues over the years. I've been always fascinated by his upside and talent, but he's always seemed to be limited by the Detroit team and the roster and the coaching around him. But it seemed to be able to elevate them to be much better than what they seem to be. And now he goes to Jared Goff's old stomping grounds over in the Rams with a legit offensive coordinator, like I said, and actual amazing weapons like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And they did draft a new rookie uh, to help out. I believe it was Dwayne Eskridge, though I don't know for a fact on that 100%. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to read look that. But still, very, very good weapons. Great offensive coordinator. Passing protection is solid and pretty good. So I, I'm going to take uh, Matt Stafford this one, at least for redraft in Dynasty. I'd still probably give a bit more of an edge to Carson Wentz just because he is a younger quarterback. But for 2021, if I had to choose who's going to have the better fantasy season, I'm going Matthew Stafford. 
Yeah, I think I agree. So starting in redraft, I'd go Matthew Stafford just because I feel like the Rams situation is definitely win now. Um, Matthew Stafford's a guy who I've always loved and respected. He just has that grit. He has that fire in his eyes to win just every game he plays in, every snap he's playing on the field. Matthew Stafford wants to win. And I've always respected him. I've drafted him multiple times just because of my love for him, even when Detroit wasn't the greatest situation. Matthew Stafford found ways to make plays. I think it's going to be much easier for him in L.A. So in a redraft format, I would go Matthew Stafford. Now, the weird part is trying to think what the window for Matthew Stafford is in a dynasty setting. And Matthew Stafford not only up there in age a little bit, has had a lot of injury concerns, and he's had one of the two injuries that I classify as a red flag don't draft um, injury um, on my draft boards and that I just pass on it, even though I, Matthew Stafford, just because I love Matthew Stafford, the two injuries are neck injuries. I don't like those. Those are things that I really don't like to mess with when it comes to fantasy football because they're usually something that linger. And then spine. Um, Matthew Stafford had a lot of problems with his spine um, a year and a half ago, and that's a no-go for me. If I was a professional football player, I'd hang it up the first time I had a neck or spine injury because it wouldn't be worth it to me to be paralyzed. Um, I mean, you hate to see guys like Ryan Shazier, for example, um, who had that kind of injury and has had to alter his entire life, um, learn how to walk again, learn how to jog again. Like he's just had to restart from the ground up because of such an injury. And those kind of things to me, I just always, I, I just don't like them. And that's something that always you have to look at in the back of your mind, no matter how much I love Matthew Stafford as a player, as a person that in a dynasty format, I would have to take Carson Wentz over him because of that. Now moving on to a different player, a different position, T.Y. Hilton, most likely the first receiver for the Colts drafted in most fantasy settings still. Uh, maybe Michael Pittman jumps him in a dynasty this year. We'll see what happens. But T.Y. Hilton, most likely that guy. And we're going to go T.Y. Hilton or Chase Claypool. That is an interesting one because both of them – are phenomenal deep threats who have great athleticism, though, of course, Jake Claypool has a lot more height and weight on him to complement his speeds. But I'm a lot more confident in T.Y. Hilton's quarterback to be able to deliver the deep ball at this point. Big Ben did not look good throwing deep at all last year, did not attempt it very often. While Wentz did regress in his uh, deep ball accuracy last year, He's young enough where he still did throw it a whole lot, and I think that was more so a product of having to just chuck it deep constantly because he was down a whole lot and he had a lot of pressure around him. So usually your accuracy uh, falters a little bit in some of those high-stakes environments. But at this point, in redraft formats, I would go... I think I would go T.Y. over Chase Claypool just for this year. Though T.Y. does have a few injury concerns, unless Claypool is getting uh, like more red zone work and some more rushing plays, which he did do a little bit, it's going to be a little bit tougher for him to replicate his touchdown success from last year. He had a lot of touchdowns that came in big burst games and then was a lot quieter down the stretch. So, He's a little bit more of a known commodity this year. We'll see if he can repeat. I do love his upside long-term, however, and I would definitely take him over T.Y. in a dynasty format. However, for 2021, strictly, I'm going to give a slight edge to T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton over Claypool in in both formats. Um, I'm going to go T.Y. over Claypool in both formats for – a simple reason, um, that simple reason is I don't trust Big Ben. I would not bet anything on Big Ben in the near future. I wouldn't bet on Big Ben. I got, I'm not saying that he can't. I just would not bet on it. And when fantasy comes around, a lot of betting is on the table. A lot, that's just what you're doing. And I just can't put my eggs in a basket that requires Big Ben being better than last year. 
I just can't because I don't know if it can happen. I think Carson Wentz can. I think T.Y. Hilton will be a better T.Y. Hilton with Carson Wentz than he was with Phillip Rivers. I just think that type of quarterback fits T.Y. Hilton's play style and skill set more. So I think I would take T.Y. Hilton over Claypool in both formats because of that. I think Claypool is a solid player. I hope they use him in the slot more this year because he had a lot of success there last year, especially in the, in the red zone. I know – they like to use Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot role, but personally I think Claypool just belongs there in the sense that I still think he should have made the switch to tight end. I think he would have been an elite tight end in the NFL. Um, putting him in the slot just kind of still utilizes that skill set and that type of mismatch opportunities. Next up, I'm going to go first on this one because I kind of switched this and I'm, you don't know this yet. Um, I'm going to say Tyler Lockett. Um, so T.Y. Hilton or Tyler Lockett, receiver for Seattle. For a redraft league, I'm going to say T.Y. Hilton, um, which is shocking. I own Tyler Lockett in every league. I just really love the partnership of T.Y. Hilton and Carson Wentz. I just really see a lot of upside there. I really think it's going to work out. In a dynasty setting, I would take Tyler Lockett. I just think he has more years left. I think as the number two option is at least by corners um, when they play Seattle DK Metcalf gets a lot of the cornerback one love, even though Tyler Lockett has been incredible in his career. I feel like he still is going to produce there. So I would take Tyler Lockett in a dynasty setting over T.Y. Hilton. But this year alone, I think T.Y. Hilton out, outscores him. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I think uh, in redraft and dynasty, I'm going to be taking uh, Tyler Lockett, not just in dynasty because he is younger and, will be guaranteed to have more time with his quarterback as also a big thing uh, in the previous one with Chase Claypool is I don't also know if uh, T.Y. is going to keep his quarterback next year either because he's going to be a free agent too. He could be moving on later on. Uh, so we'll see where T.Y. ends up for dynasty purposes throughout this whole entire conversation. But uh, for Tyler Lockett, I just absolutely love his pairing with Russell Wilson Russell Wilson is a great deep ball passer and Lockett is one of the best deep threats uh, in the game at this point. T.Y. of course was previously uh, back with Luck though. Uh, we'll see if he can recapture that magic with Wentz. But we know that Lockett still ha Lockett definitely has that magic with Russell Wilson. On top of the Seahawks defense can be pretty inconsistent and they could be throwing from behind a lot. They could be getting into plenty of shootouts. I see Tyler Lockett as the 1A slash 1B in a very high volume passing attack, which is going to be very, very beneficial for a lot of fantasy teams. So I put Lockett as uh, above TY in both formats. So this one's going to be fun. Um, a little Colt versus Colt action. T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman Jr., Lucas? Well, of course, in Dynasty, no question, it's going to be Michael Pittman. However, the real conversation is for 2021 because we know T.Y. is going to be here that year, and we know Michael Pittman's definitely, of course, going to be here too. So the question is, how much do you believe in the Michael Pittman uh, development? And also, how much do you believe in the T.Y. Hilton resurrection with Wentz? <sighs> Personally, it's going to be a very tough one. I think they are 1A, 1B in this offense. The question of who is the A and who is the B is very, very tough to determine because Michael Pittman did show up a lot last year though that was with a different quarterback, but the coaching staff absolutely loves him, though they also do love T.Y. Hilton. So uh, right now I'm even going back and forth on this in my mind. And so for the 2021 purposes, I'm going to go T.Y. Hilton, just a slight edge over Michael Pittman Jr. Though Dynasty, of course, MPJ, all the way side question let's say normal 15 round dynasty league you're just starting at year one dynasty draft what round are you taking michael pittman in 15 rounds hmm. how many teams 
Um, let's say 10. Hmm. I would take him in the round seven to nine range. That's around what I was going to say. I think I would have said eight um, right in the middle of what you said. Yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, you're, I think you're right in dynasty formats. It's Pittman over T Y easy. Um, just a lot more upside, a lot more definite years in Indy, a lot more definite years to grow with Carson Wentz. It's just a lot more definite with Pittman in a dynasty setting. The redraft gets harder. Um, like I said earlier, I just think the T.Y. Wentz connection is going to work, whether it's long-term or it gets him a payday elsewhere. I think T.Y. is going to have a lot of 21-22 success. I really do. So I'd say T.Y. in a redraft. Um, and, I mean, I probably have T.Y. a little bit higher than most people in the redraft for this year. Um I don't want to – I have an article coming out soon at thebluestable.com. Lucas, Lucas shamelessly plugged, so I feel like I can shamelessly plug um, on my fantasy rankings um, for positions for the 21-22 year coming out soon. So I don't want to spoil it, but just expect T.Y. Hilton's going to be higher on my list than most. Uh, it's just kind of how I ha- where I have it right now. So T.Y. Hilton in a redraft, Pittman in a dynasty, same as you, Lucas – about round eight for Pittman in dynasty. So we're pretty much in the same realm there. So next up, Jonathan Taylor. First one, Jonathan Taylor or Aaron Jones. Ooh, there are plenty of questions on this one, especially with Aaron Jones. We do not know if he is going to have his bus buddy, Aaron Rodgers still on the team. He could be traded. He could not. And then it, puts into Jordan Love and we don't know how Jordan Love would target uh, Jones the same way or not, or uh, if you'd give him more carries or not. So the volume questions for uh, Jones remain there. And also Jonathan Taylor, how is he going to look in year two? Is he going to continue that end of year pace where he was arguably the best runner outside of Derrick Henry in the NFL? Or is he going to struggle a little bit more to, was that a possible facade? And I know I would hate to find out that, but Aaron Jones is the more proven player. And if Aaron Rodgers is there, he's going to have more red zone upside. Plus I believe he will have a bigger receiving volume than Jonathan Taylor for 2021. Assuming of course, Rodgers is on the team, but that is a very big question at this point. Uh, So Assuming everything on that, I'd give a slight edge to Aaron Jones because he is more of a feature three-down guy than uh, Jonathan Taylor and, of course, has more touchdown opportunities. But for Dynasty, I would take Jonathan Taylor over Aaron Jones because Jonathan Taylor is far younger and running backs do tend to fizzle out around a little bit uh, into the late 20s. So... While Aaron Jones is not in danger of doing that just yet, he is starting to get closer and closer to that, especially compared to Jonathan Taylor. So I would take Jonathan Taylor over Aaron Jones in a dynasty format. So I'm going to start off by saying there are very few running backs I would take over Jonathan Taylor in a dynasty format. Um, So, I mean, it's going to be a common thread that I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor over all three names that I say um, in a dynasty format. Just Just expect it. Um, so most of my conversation is going to be in a redraft format for Aaron Jones. The big thing that comes down to me, I picked Jonathan Taylor over Aaron Jones, even in a redraft because running backs, when they get paid, just tend to fall off. Like, I don't know if it's a motivational thing. I don't know what it is, but just whenever running backs get that contract, it just seems like they are never the same guy. Um, there, there are a few outliers. So I'm not saying every single one, there are plenty of running backs that, continue kicking no matter what the contract is. I mean, Frank Gore is still out there doing what he does. Um, so it doesn't matter for every single running back. But if I had to put my money on it, I think Jonathan Taylor outscores Aaron Jones this year. Um, I've been selling Aaron Jones shares in a lot of my leagues because of this um, and just because of A.J. Dillon being behind him. I just feel like there's a lot of factors that could end up pushing Aaron Jones out and maybe seeing a trade before that contract's up. So I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor over Aaron Jones. This next one has been a really hot topic. This is one of the hotter names in dynasty formats and redraft. Um, had a really strong end of the year last year. 
David Montgomery. Oof, David Montgomery. I really liked him coming out, and I was very high on him in his rookie year, and he disappointed me. Then his, uh, his sophomore year, or second year, I should say, I did not draft him, but I did eventually trade a buy for him. And he rewarded with me for a very, very strong breakout. However, his offensive line has gone through quite a bit of change. For better or for worse is to be determined, especially on the offensive tackles. But I, I feel much more confident in Jonathan Taylor's both talent and situation. Uh, plus, David Montgomery is going to have Tyreek Cohen back on the field, potentially, if he is healthy, which could take away some of that very, very valuable receiving work, as well as even a few uh, rushing attempts as well. So I give the edge to Jonathan Taylor in both redraft and in keeper or dynasty as well because of youth and uh, better situation and natural talent, in my opinion. So I own both in almost every league. This makes it tough. Um, I would say Jonathan Taylor in dynasty still, um, just because I think Jonathan Taylor is one of – the top tier guys in dynasty drafts for running backs currently. I just think he's that good Um, for redraft the uncertainty at quarterback. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to share too. Um, Marlon Mack's back. They're going to give him snaps. If like you're just naive, if you don't, if you don't think he's going to get snaps, you're naive. They brought him back for a reason. He's going to get some snaps. I hope it's not too many, but he's going to get some. I mean, Naeem Hines is still going to eat up some of those catches. He may lead the team in catches again. Who knows? He's just that talented with the ball in his hand. You got to use him somehow. But I think talent wise, Jonathan Taylor is just more talented. Carson Wentz likes throwing to running backs already. Taylor showed last year that a lot of the cons that he got given for draft, not being a guy who could impact the pass game, were incorrect. He impacted it early and often last year. And because of that, I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor over Montgomery in both formats. I am. Um, It's hard, but I like Montgomery a lot. I own him in almost every league. I still don't want to trade him in almost every league, so I'd like to keep them both on my roster, but I'd rather have Jonathan Taylor if it came down to it. This one's a hard one. Another guy coming off an injury, huge name, probably a guy who's gone top two the last three drafts probably um, in fantasy formats, dynasty or redraft probably, Saquon Barkley. Ooh, now this, these are two of my boys right here because – I am in a high school league or a league that I started back in high school with some of my buds still going on strong. God love it, but it is a two player keeper league and I have both Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. I'm feeling very confident that they're probably going to be my uh, keepers. Spoiler alert for any of my uh, fellow uh, league mates in that league listening, but who if I had to pick one of them for this year or and even for long-term, that is a tough one because Saquon Barkley is the more talented player as a prospect. However, Saquon has had plenty of injuries over the last few years that have been pretty scary, and it is not good to have these types of injuries this early in his career. Can he bounce back? We'll see. But that upside there is phenomenal. Ah. Uh, Assuming health, which is a very big if, I would take Saquon over Jonathan Taylor in a redraft one. Dynasty, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards uh, towards Jonathan Taylor just because of youth and lack of injuries at this point and a better offensive line as well to help him up front. But that is a very tough one, and I could, I would not blame a a uh, player in a redraft format or even dynasty really to still go in on uh, Barkley. That upside is still there. And it, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating to see that injury level, but if healthy, he could be the best back in the NFL this year. And he's got the receiving work that, uh, that Jonathan Taylor will not be able to get as long as Naeem Hines is there. So the upside is definitely higher for Barkley in both formats, but the risk is substantially higher as well. So it depends on the fantasy manager. If they want to go for chasing the upside, go Barkley. If they want more proven reliability, 
go Jonathan Taylor. But for me personally, I am taking Jonathan Taylor in both. So if Barkley's healthy, it could bite you for uh, at least 2021, if not later. So for Dynasty, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. Like I said earlier, very few guys that I'm taking over Jonathan Taylor in a Dynasty League. I will say, if you are a believer in Saquon Barkley and you think he can make the trip back, right now is the time to trade for him. I feel like his value is lower than it'll ever be right now um, to try to trade for him. I feel like it's the time to try to make a deal if you want to get him. In a redraft league, I think I'm going to go Barkley. Um, I think his talent is there to the point that I would give him a pass on the coming off the injury and at least give him credit for a redraft league, one that I don't have to worry about for multiple years down the road. Um, so I think I would still go Barkley over Taylor this year. Um, it's close. It really is. The injury scares me a little bit, but I think Barkley is just too talented and his workload is going to be so high if he's hopefully healthy by week one, which all signs point to him being. Um, I think I would still go Barkley in redrafts. Well, that is a very interesting uh, take on that front. Of course, he has all the upside that you can want in a running back. I mean, there is a reason why he went above even Quentin Nelson, even above certain quarterbacks like Sam Darnold. He went second overall in a very, very strong draft because he is arguably the greatest prospect coming out since Adrian Peterson, if not even later than that, at running back. So... That, hey, and, that's the upside you get. And these running backs that are starting this quad pick game, Saquon Barkley was the creator of this trend. I mean, he gets no credit for it, but I mean, the man, the man has quads of steel that just doesn't get credited in this. People keep making it out to be that AJ Dillon created this quad war. It was uh, say quad. Oh, it has to be. People, he's not getting the credit he deserves in this, in this quad quad off that's going on in the NFL. I've seen more pictures of Giovanni Bernard's quads on Twitter than Saquon Barkley's in the last couple of weeks. And that is, that should be assault. Heck, even uh, Mike Davis is getting some quad love right now. His, uh, now that picture was ridiculous. The NFL should have tested him right after that picture came out. That one, I was suspecting a little bit of Photoshop right there. That just oh, it had, unrealistic oh, it had at that to point. Have been. That quad was going down to his knee. Whew. It's either that is Photoshop or that is the real thing and everyone needs to buy him in fantasy football. Apparently. I mean, if, if quad size generates to fantasy points, buy Mike Davis shares. <laughs> Just draft all the quadiest players you can. Get hey, Derek Henry. You get uh, Saquon Barkley. Somehow you get both of them. AJ Dillon, Giovanni Bernard, Mike Davis. Boom, you're done with your running backs right there. And Phenomenal. so easy to name your team. There's, there's got to be so many quad-related things you can name your team this year. This wasn't a topic for the show, but before we head out, what is your go-to <laughs> fantasy football name this year? Ooh. Well, there's plenty of names that everyone does for various different players that they draft or references that they go for. I am sticking with the one name that I changed my uh, high school team name previously and it the one year that i changed it i won a championship with one of the most dominant rosters i had ever assembled uh so i'm keeping with that one it sticks to my core values not just as a fantasy manager but as a person and that is the italian stallions you don't think that there is a reason that I am wearing an Italian shirt right now i was about to say i mean he came to play with the italian shirt on right to announce the name Exactly. I love me some Colts, Stallions. I am Italian, Italians. One of my favorite movies, Rocky, which is about an underdog fighting to win. Maybe he wins, maybe he doesn't, depending on the movie that you're watching. But he will fight tooth and nail and outwork every single person out there. And that is something I absolutely value to my core as a fantasy manager and just as a person in general. So... The Italian Stallions is my team name. Ride or die with that one. I've had a lot over the years. Um, I've, I've rolled with the Boward Barrage in a few leagues over the last couple of years, and I have a pretty ed cool edited picture of Ballard that I've used for it. 
Um, this year, I'm pretty much rolling with Big Q's keg stand crew. Um, absolutely love it. Have the picture of Big Q celebrating his almost touchdown um, with the keg stand celebration um, with all of them there. I mean, there's a few guys in that keg stand crew that are no longer Colts. Uh, hope for them for the best. But um, Big Q's keg stand crew is definitely my go-to this year. <sighs> I think it is crime century that they threw that yellow flag down there and didn't immediately pick it up when they saw that celebration. The fact that that celebration amounted to in points wise, nothing is a travesty. And yes, I am saying that with full knowledge of what happened in the NFC championship game a few years ago with that brutal, no pass interference call that call while terrible, was not as big of a travesty in my personal and very biased sports opinion as the big Q keg stand not counting. Terrible. The keg stand will always count in our hearts. The keg mm-hmm. stand will always count as my fancy football name. Um, so if Quentin Nelson's listening, it counts in our book. And I'm, I'm repping the picture whether it counted or not as a touchdown. But guys, thanks so much for listening. Lucas, thank you so much for filling in for Michael and Rashad, who couldn't make it with us on this late, late night. The Lakers still trailing. If you're if you're listening to this tomorrow while we're listening here, um, hopefully when we wake up the lake and you're listening right now, the Lakers have been eliminated from the playoffs, praying to the basketball gods. But my name is Destin Adams. His name is Lucas Robbins. Make sure you're checking out all of Lucas's work at thebluestable.com. And you're checking out the podcast on every platform you can, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, so many different options to listen to us here at the Blue Stable, the official Colts podcast of Fansided. Thank you guys so much and have a great rest of your weekend.